This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today on the Illini Enquirer podcast, yes, we will have Jay Lehman. He texted me and said, hey, let's talk some Illini football, and I'm not going to turn him down because Illinois football is feeling good right now, ranked number 17 in the country, atop the Big Ten West standings after Wisconsin took care of Purdue, heading into a big matchup. And yes, I do think it's a big matchup at Nebraska. So Jay and I are going to kind of recap the first part of the season, the first seven games of the season with Jay Lehman's midseason report card. Yes, we know we are past midseason, but it's an off week last week, so this gives us a chance uh, to catch up and kind of recap what we've seen so far this season, look ahead uh, as well. But we'll go position by position with Jay. He'll take out his red marker, which is is going to be pretty nice to Illinois because uh, they've been pretty dang good. But uh, I do like the Jay. He didn't he didn't grade on a curve here, um, so somebody might get upset at, at a grade or two. Uh, but it's all relative um, when it comes to Illinois because I, I think Jay graded uh, based on a Big Ten team, not as a Illinois curve. So I really like that. But before we get to Jay, two pieces of news I wanted to react to to open up this pod. Uh, and the first one is the Luke Goody injury. You've all heard probably by now that the sophomore sharpshooter suffered a bone fracture in his left foot during Saturday's scrimmage against Kansas. And Goody will undergo surgery on Friday, and his return date is to be determined. I think it is safe to assume that Luke Goody will miss all of the non-conference play. Uh, and, and possibly part of, especially the first couple games, but certainly uh, a significant part of the season and part of Big Ten play. Uh, and then he's got to get back into the swing of things, all of that. So this certainly will have a big impact on Lou Goody's season being out for most of it, uh, but certainly has an impact on Illinois. Um, and, and I know Lou Goody is not in a star role, but he certainly was in a role and someone on this roster that I think could threaten to shoot 40-plus percent from three. And Illinois doesn't have... A lot of those guys, at least proven at this level, right? Losing Alfonso Plummer and I know Trent Frazier was a little bit up and down. Those guys were proven sharpshooters. So this team does have a lot of talent on the wings, uh, but you just lost a depth piece. And on a team that only had 11 scholarship players, uh, now you had subtract Goody and, and Brandon Lee probably not going to play a big role uh, on this team. That's, that's a nine scholarship you know, group with potentially Sincere Harris having to play a bigger role or some kind of role on this team when we didn't think maybe he would going into the season. But uh, this team, is it going to be a good shooting team? I'm not sure. I think they're going to be great defensively. I think they're going to get to the free throw line. uh, So they can certainly score points that way. But a team that loses Kofi Coburn, who's an easy 20 every night, they got to find a way to score more points in different ways. That's not to say they don't have guys who can shoot the ball. Matthew Meyer is a 35% career three-point shooter, uh, and he was 32.4% last year. He He didn't have great shot selection last year. Matthew Meyer came here because Illinois wanted to upgrade over Luke Goody, right? Terrence Shannon, R.J. Melendez, they're here because Illinois 
and wanted to upgrade on the wing. So if Matthew Meyer lives up to expectations and to his talent level, then this could be felt less. But he's still got to do that uh, and, and execute at a high level. Terrence Shannon is a 35% three-point shooter over his career. He shoots 38.4% from three last season. He seems like he is the guy most likely of this group to shoot over 40% from three. But he's going to be creating, right? He's going to be off the bounce a little bit more. Uh, he's going to be creating to open things up for guys like Goody, Matthew Meyer. R.J. Melendez uh, certainly had a great percentage in a small sample size last year. Shot 60% from three last season, but that was on 15 attempts. And just like we talk about, like, say, C.J. Hart with football, you don't want to extrapolate a small sample size over a big sample size and assume it's going to happen. I don't think anybody's assuming R.J. Melendez shoots 60% from three. Can he shoot high 30s? If he can, I think then this might be felt a little less, but R.J. Melendez certainly can create off the bounce more, but if he can shoot a high percentage from three, hit those corner threes that we expect Luke Goody to make, uh, hit him at the top of the key when you have rotations, that'll be really important. So all these guys were expected to play bigger roles, those three, but now it's more important that they make their shots and make threes. Coleman Hawkins, I expect to go up 28% from three over his career. Can he get to 33 to 35%? Uh, there's four guys that, that can shoot threes. And then you add Sky Clark, who seems like he's a good shooter. Jade Naps is a bucket getter. Uh, we'll see how those guys do in their first season. So there's certainly a lot of different shooters, but Luke Goody uh, is the team's best shooter. Uh, so to lose him and just to lose a guy who you can count on all the time, right? He's going to be in the right place at the right time. Is he? He's not the most athletic on the team, that is for certain now, uh, and and certainly can struggle in one-on-one matchups when he's got to guard the team's best player or whatever it is, but he's just so reliable that even if he was your seventh, eighth, ninth guy, I think knowing what you're going to get out of him every week had a lot of value. So now a guy like Ty Rogers, who's going to play a huge role anyway, uh, he's going to play more, and of course he's not a shooter. Uh, that's one of his big things. So the biggest way I look at this is Illinois had 11 scholarship players. Now they have 10. Um, you're not going to have a 10-man rotation, and Brandon Lee probably wouldn't have been that. But to lose Luke Goody certainly will have an impact on this team. It just means everyone's got to step up a little bit more. Everyone's got to shoot it a little bit better. Uh, and you just have to find a way not to have other injuries because if you have more injuries on a team that doesn't have a lot of scholarship players, then all of a sudden uh, things can get a little hairy. Let's get to the other news. Illinois football gets another commitment. Alex Bray, six foot four, two hundred and fifty pound, three star prospect, out of Missouri. No other Power Five offers. So let's get to this. This is the kind of commitment that gets praise when you're winning, and Illinois fans seem excited about this one, right? Because they're six and one, and they're they're ranked in the top twenty-five. Uh, this is the kind of commitment people go, "Why?" Well, when, when you're not winning. Um, so I think right now. What you're seeing uh, in the reaction from a lot of people out there is you trust the staff. And I think that's probably what you should do. I think this staff should get the benefit of the doubt with some of their evaluations. When you have a Matthew Bailey in your back pocket, some guys like that who are making you know big impacts on this team, even the Juco guys uh, who are making big impacts on this team. That's when you get the benefit of the doubt. Uh, Josh McCray was a great evaluation uh, for this staff as well. And then you see the development. Because that's what Alex Bray is. He's six foot four, two fifty. Going to project as a defensive lineman, kind of in that Johnny Newton role. Now his tape doesn't jump out like Johnny Newton as an athlete, but he compares a lot favorably to me to Mason Moragan, who again didn't have any other Power Five offers. But you watch him on film. He's a good athlete, good size, projects to add 
30, 40, 50 pounds needed to play the defensive line uh, at the Power 5 level. But um, I think what stands out to me on film of both Moragan and Bray is they're advanced technically uh, when it comes to their handwork, how they fight, how they bend, all those things. But he's just tenacious. There's a ferociousness uh, way way that he plays. Just a lot of tenacity, and and he seems like the baddest guy on the field. So uh, it's a guy that's going to come in, give him two years, he'll develop, and then you see how big of an impact he can make. And with Illinois, they need a group of defensive linemen to be the next wave behind Johnny Newton, behind Keith Randolph, right? Calvin Avery leaving after this year. Even guys like T-Rod Edwards. you got to have another wave of defensive line, and that's one thing this staff had struggled uh, in its first year uh, on the staff is you know, Brian Allen decommits and goes to Iowa. Terrell Jones decommits uh, and goes to Virginia. You, you lose Jamarion Harkless, who's a great big nose tackle, uh, who f- decides to flip to um, Auburn. Like, Illinois needs more young defensive linemen, but this is for the 2025 season, the 2026 season. So don't think Moragan and Bray will be the guys next year because Johnny Newton seems likely to make the NFL leap. Keith Randolph, possibility to make the NFL leap. You're not going to replace them with freshmen and expect to keep a high level. So that's not what this is about for Illinois. These, these are the future wave guys. These are guys you get in your program and you develop, like Iowa, Wisconsin has. They get all these guys that year after year uh, find a way to contribute at a high level, and you just have them in your system. They wait their turn, and then they're ready to make an impact. Illinois needs to hit the transfer market for the defensive line because they're going to lose at least one of their um, you know, stars in Johnny Newton. They're going, to, they're going to lose one partner from the law firm at least, and they could lose two. So Brett Bielma said today that guys are going to go to the NFL and it's going to open up spots, and that's maybe part of what this is with Alex Bray. Guys like uh, the outside linebacker that they just uh, offered, Manvert Gratio out of Florida, Maybe they expect some guys to go to the NFL. And, of course, you're going to have transfers out of the program. But one thing we're getting stuck in, uh, I think fans got to adapt to, and I have to adapt to as well, is you know scholarship counting in classes doesn't matter. The NCAA dropped the 25-man scholarship limit in each class, so it's just 85. One goes out, you can add one in. So Illinois is going to lose at least 15 seniors. Um, so that's 15 scholarships. And Illinois has 18 commitments in this class. There's a bunch of redshirt juniors, redshirt seniors that might not get a fifth or sixth year. Illinois doesn't have to give them a fifth or sixth year. There's going to be guys who transfer out. There's going to be guys that make the leap to the NFL. And right now I would imagine that's Johnny Newton. I would imagine Devin Witherspoon. uh, Keith Randolph's a possibility. Chase Brown definitely will make that leap. And you got a couple offensive linemen, and Julian Pearl and, and Isaiah Adams, who could make that leap as well. So that's a lot of guys uh, that that could leave some eligibility on there. So this class, with all that attrition, could be more than 25-plus. I mean, you could reach 30 at a point if you you have a bunch of guys who aren't playing that want to move on. So that's part of them adding future depth. Uh, You could have a lot of classes of 25-plus, 30 uh, over the next couple years because you you aren't limited in how many you can bring in each class so I look at Bray I think he's a solid get Uh, I think it's a good evaluation as I said in the last podcast I always find these late additions really intriguing because they're the most complete evaluations and Illinois certainly really liked him they had a need for this and you turn on the film and there's certainly some things to like especially if you like a guy like Mason Moragan so Alex Bray Mason Moragan 
kind of your three techs, four eye shades that play the similar kind of role as Keith Randolph and Johnny Newton. Uh, but Illinois certainly needs to hit the transfer portal for some more defensive line help. If I'm going to update before we get to Jay Lehman, my biggest prep needs in the class of 2023. Defensive line might move down a little bit. I still think nose tackle. I'd like to add a Jamari and Harkless kind of nose tackle. Not sure they're out there. So that's probably more of a transfer portal need. But I would go one wide receiver. I think you still need a big playmaker there. I think Illinois obviously returns a lot of guys next year with with Hightower, Washington, Bryant, Williams, Hank Beatty, Ian Pugh, Sean Miller, and Ashton Hollins are all in the system for a year. But T.J. Lott's the only guy they have in this class, more of a slot. You need a big physical guy. Malik Elzey would certainly be the guy. Uh, free safety, Jair Hill would certainly be number one on that board. And outside linebacker seems like the big need uh, for Illinois that they want to attack, adding some more long-term depth. Transfer needs in the class of 2023. Quarterback, number one, find another Tommy DeVito. Can't find another Tommy DeVito. Find the next best thing. Defensive line is number two. Um, I, I just think you're probably going to lose one or two of Newton. I would prepare like you're going to lose two. Offensive line. That one could be even with defensive line because if you lose Adams and or Pearl, you need to replace a lot of guys. And I include the Jucos in here. So Keyshawn Blackstock and Isaiah Miller are there. I think Illinois feels pretty good about where it's at offensive line, which is why I have it below defensive line. Uh, defensive line, you got to find those guys, and uh, at least you can sell what you have right now. Then I go cornerback because you're going to replace Devin Witherspoon. And a wild card, maybe a tight end, maybe an athletic tight end. Let's talk with Jay Lehman coming up next on the Online Enquirer podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're not going to do an off week. Jay Lehman, he, he wants to come on, and I'm not going to deny it. Uh, it's fun to talk Illinois football now, Jay, even on an off week, and, there, and there's oh. plenty to talk about. Guys, there's been times when we love Illinois football, but it's been tough sometimes. And we've done, we've done some big losses. We've done some disappointing losses. We've had our September balloons popped. And, uh, but now we feel like we got a chance. Everybody's talking about Illinois. So why don't we talk about it, even if it's on the off week? Yeah, we're going to talk about the midseason report card, but we were just talking about this off the uh, pod here, Jay. Is, uh, this was a really good off week for Illinois, both on the recruiting trail, three commits uh, on the recruiting trail, and you know, Malik LCD commits from, from Cincinnati, a four-star kid out of Chicago, Simeon, and Illinois sitting pretty well with him. Um, but mo- more importantly, on the field, uh, because right. Wisconsin – Looks pretty good under Jim Leonard. Their offense looks uh, way different than what it did earlier in the year. Um, and uh, they beat Purdue, so Illinois has the lead there. It's a big loss for Purdue in this Big Ten West race. And then every other team outside of Wisconsin in the West uh, lost to an East team. So uh, Illinois gets a little separation going into a, a huge game against Nebraska. Well, I think it's pretty evident now that we've seen Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota play a little bit. I think Wisconsin's the most complete football team. Um, it certainly isn't the Wisconsin of maybe two, three years ago. Uh, but I will say that the most complete team, and we knew, listen, once we got past those guys, those teams are going to beat somebody, right? Yeah. Right. And I believe, I believe Purdue still has to play Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, Purdue historically has had Iowa's number quite a bit. 
I mean, it makes some plays against, and the defense has not been as effective against Purdue's passing attack. So I don't know. I, I, I don't think anybody in the West looks overall uh, like, like world beaters are, are, are terribly consistent. Right. And so I think Illinois is in a great position and, you know, in a great position to, to go up to, uh, to Lincoln and, and possibly get the seventh win of the season. Jay, what do you, what do you think of Wisconsin um, under Jim Leonard? Because it feels like people want him to get the job. They didn't hand him the job quite yet, maybe to prove it. Um, Graham Mertz has been really good for them the last three weeks. Braylon Allen's got 300 something yards. They're not as strong offensive line or defense as they have been in the past, but is that the second best team in the West or third best team in the West? Like I'm really interested to see how they end the year. I think Wisconsin is the, is the second best team in the West. Uh, but I would say Wisconsin's in a great transition right now as a program. Part of bringing Bobby Ingram in was they were sick of winning nine games a year. I know it sounds pathetic when you're an Illinois fan, but they were sick of winning nine games a year, never winning the Big Ten championship. And they brought in Bobby to try to throw the football a little bit more, but still have that running style. I think Jim Leonard, uh, it'd be, you'd be hard-pressed to find a guy better on, from a defensive identity. I mean, played under Rex Ryan in the league for years, whether it be the Ravens or the Jets, and then has been, you know, Wisconsin. There's some great defenses and is a three-time All-American under Barry Alvarez's team. So I think I think that Jim will be the, the head coach next year. I really do. I think Bobby's going to stay on as the – Bobby Ingram's going to stay on as the, uh, as the OC. Uh, once they moved – I think it was Joe Rudolph who was the OC before, and he really embodied – he was part of that first Rose Bowl team in the nineties. He embodied Wisconsin football as we know it. And I think Wisconsin football realizes they have to change. That's why the coaching change happened uh, along with NIL and, and learning how to throw the football in this day and age a little bit better. And uh, so I think they're in a transition time, right? I do think they're still the second best team in the West because if you look at how they look offensively and defensively, I think they have the most balance. Yeah, Purdue's obviously a dangerous passing attack. But if that if Aiden O'Connell isn't great, they don't have much of a chance, right. it feels like. So um, let's get to – I want to get your report card, but Iowa. Um, is Kirk Ferentz figuring out, like, I have to change? Uh, will he change, Jay? Because this offense – I mean, we've seen bad offense with Illinois. This, <laughs> this at Iowa is another level of stinky offense. Well, th- so this is where I think, well, one, I'll answer the Iowa question and how it relates to Illinois, right? Yeah. So so I don't think you can get away with running inside zone and outside zone over and over and over and boot off of it, which is what was done for years. And, you know, whether the Big Ten's just been better or whether the Big Ten West is just marginal, it's led to, to eight wins a year and especially year every six or seven years. Um, right now though, um, I, we've seen Iowa be that we, we've seen Iowa be bad. Maybe not this bad when their offensive line is young, like it is, they're really bad. Yeah. When they've got a good offensive line, I mean, forget that this is one year removed from them being in the top five for a large part of the year last year. Right. Um, and many people had them at least kind of being in that game with Michigan, uh, in the big 10 championship game last year. Uh, but I would say this. When their offensive line is experienced, they can be anybody at any time. Maybe not the elite top five teams, but they're pretty darn difficult to beat. When they have a young offensive line, their offense looks like it looks now, which is which is pathetic. Not not innovative. Uh, no quarterback play that to, to write home about, and it's been bad. And so 
when you look at the Big Ten West as a whole, you know, what I love is that we get Brett Bielema after he's been to Arkansas, after he's been to um, the Patriots and the Giants, and I think realized through one year with Tony Peterson, we got to throw the football better if we're going to get to where we need to be, and that's really where we can get advantage. That's where Barry Lenny came in and Tommy DeVito came in and the development of receivers have come in and really given Illinois just a little bit of an edge in the passing game, it seems like, over these other teams. All right, we're technically entering week nine uh, of a 13-week season, but <laughs> Illinois is seven games in. Uh, that's a little over halfway, but after an off week, it's a nice time for the midseason report card, just like the midterm grades here, uh, Jay Lehman. So let's bring out the, uh, the red pen. Uh, it could be a good sign for Illinois this year. I don't think uh, there's going to be too many low grades on this, but let's take out position by position and, and give them a grade. Let's start with the quarterbacks and, and Tommy DeVito, uh, who obviously has been a huge upgrade for Illinois. So what are you giving Tommy DeVito and the quarterbacks? So first off, let me just say this. I would, I mean, if, if you were to tell me this is where Illinois would be at, you know, through seven games, I think everybody would be getting A's. But, you know, our, we, we, we've adjusted, you know, our, our expectations. So uh, I think what Tommy's done, I mean, it's been pretty impressive. I'm going to give Tommy a B plus. I think Tommy's uh, exceeded expectations. He's a huge improvement from what we've had in the past. He's very efficient. He takes care of the football, um, you know, and when he's been in there, he's been, he's been great. The only knock we can have on Tommy wasn't his fault that he got banged up against Iowa, right? Because he was out, but Sikowski came in and I guess was serviceable. Uh, certainly didn't win the game and certainly didn't lose the game. Right. And so Sikowski fits in that, into that quarterback grade a little bit. I, I, I wish that, and some of this was on the receivers. I think, if DeVito's a little bit more in sync in Indiana, just a tad, and the receivers catch the ball a little bit more, we're sitting 7-0. But, uh, uh, but that being said, I think he's played really well. Uh, he certainly hasn't lit it up as far as yardage goes on every, you know, compared because we have kind of a running offense. But for what they asked him to do, I think he's done tremendous. And so B-plus might be a little bit, uh, people say, why not an A and whatnot? And I could probably go A-minus, right? But um, I think that Tommy himself would probably tell you there's more in the tank to Tommy, right? I, I think I think he's actually got an ability to take this team over the next five games or more, Big, big Ten Champion Bowl games, to the levels they can't be. And I'd be willing to say, hey, in big games, if he plays really well, he's an A quarterback. Yeah, Jay, I don't want to grade on a curve. Let's not grade on the uh, Illinois football curve of, of sure. recent history. Like, right. just because Illinois had some F or D quarterback play doesn't mean uh, we need to give him an A. But, like, in the Big Ten, B-plus quarterback, that's going to set you apart uh, from a lot of the Big Ten sure. West, uh, especially. So, a B-plus quarterback in college football, uh, you can win a lot of games, which Illinois clearly is doing. All right, yeah. let's, get, let's get to the running backs. You got the nation's leading rusher and Chase Brown, 1,059 yards, continues to be the nation leading rusher. Haven't had Josh McCray. He should come back. Uh, and yep. Reggie Love and Chase Hayden have kind of filled in. So how are you grading the running back? This might be the most obvious grade, right? A plus uh, for, for Chase Brown. I mean, I think Reggie Love at times has spotted him pretty well. We had Chase Hayden had a good run, but let's just talk about Chase. I mean, the amount of playing that guy takes carries is, is pretty remarkable not being not being a, an overly huge guy but i think what chases are also improved on is his pass he's improved catching the ball we, i believe two touchdowns he's caught one he got called back at wisconsin i think i'm trying to think but i think like he got one against wyoming he caught one last week against minnesota right so 
I think he's shown his ability to receive. He's shown his ability to protect. And the guy, here's a guy that 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 is either first or second in yards after contact, right? Um, so running through tackles and and in the leadership that he brings, the kind of guy he is, uh, I think he adds more than just the yards, and the yards are a lot, right? Uh, but I can't say enough about Chase Brown. I said early on in the year that we thought he was the, we both thought he was the best back, you know, in the Big Ten. Who are you, who are you going to take? I thought he could start for anybody in the Big Ten. I'd still take him over Blake Corm. I really would. I think Blake Corm's a good back. I'd still take Chase Brown over him. And I, I'm going to stick by that. He's A-plus back. Why is that, Jake? Because Blake Corum getting a little bit more Heisman pub. Mo Ibrahim, I love. I, they're different kind of backs. Sure. Uh, but why, why Chase over Blake Corum at this point? Well, first of all, the reason that Blake Corm's getting more love is because, you know, he's a Wolverine and not an Illini, number one. All right. Uh, his team was uh, highly projected, had a higher projection, higher rating coming in. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm, there's no knockoff for him at all. Uh, I think, though, if you'll look at what Chase has done, especially uh, yards after contact and his ability to make people miss in tight windows. I know Blake Corm can make people miss. So I'm certainly not a knock on him, but I think if you look at chase and I'm a scout and I, and I could pick one of those guys um, and I don't know who, how Blake Corm is a leader. I assume he's great. Uh, I would take chase Brown. I just think he's a all around better football player and the durability that you have with chase Brown is, is, is quite remarkable considering, uh, you know, McCray, the backup has been out almost the entire season. Wide receiver, Jay, this is a group I, I don't know if I had high expectations for outside of Isaiah Williams. And then there's been some ups and downs for Isaiah, but uh, Pat Bryant is broken out and been sure. a most optimistic, I think, version of himself. Brian Hightower has really rebounded after a lost season last year. Sure. And, and Casey Washington's gone from like the number two guy to number four guy, but I think he's been pretty solid. So how would you grade that group? You know, early on in the season, I thought we were really lacking in the receivers. I think for the first three games, I, I had them at a C minus. They weren't catching the ball great. Um, there was nobody we could count on. Um, they've had their moments. Isaiah had his moments. And then, you know, Pat Bryant's had a moment in the Indiana game where, you know, he dropped a touchdown pass. Uh, I've seen some real improvement, though, over the last couple games. And so, um, you know, I'm going to give them a C plus. I, I certainly don't think they're the best receiving core in the conference, right, uh, at all. But do I think this they have the potential to be a good receiving core, if not great? I think Isaiah Williams can be the ultimate possession receiver in this conference, number one. And then number two, I think Pat Bryan is a legitimate deep threat. Hightower, Jonah Morris have the bodies you want to throw the football actually to. And I'll mix the tight ends in too. I think Luke Ford's blocked really well. If you look at the tape, I think Tip Ryman has been solid. I don't think we've used them as well as we've probably wanted to at the tight end as far as catching the football goes. And then I, I really like I, I've seen development from, you know, I, we've seen Hank Beatty get in there a little bit. Right. Make some make some tough catches on the RPO slant. He's also done some punt returners. Miles Scott has impressed me a little bit when he's got in there. He's got some real jets. Uh, and I know there's guys that we haven't even seen much of yet. So. I would say, see, I would say this was probably the the position, though, under Lovey Smith that I felt was drastically underperforming and, and quite frankly, just wasn't well coached. So I think George McDonald has done a tremendous job of taking a young group, uh, a quarterback that has only been, you know, I've only been a receiver for about 18 months now, you know, and transitioned him, right? And developed them and whatnot. So I think they're improving. 
I don't think they're, you know, top of the class yet. All right, Jay, let's uh, focus on the offensive line. A group that new look offensive line, it was Doug Kramer, Vidarian Lowe, you got new pieces there, but you find a way to, to add Isaiah Adams, Zai Chris, or the mix. Alex Pilstrom takes on a big role. And it's a group that I thought struggled earlier on, especially against a team like Indiana, but uh, against those three Big Ten West teams, Minnesota, Iowa, and Wisconsin, they certainly look like they've taken a leap forward. So how would you grade them? Yeah, I'm going to have to give them an A. I mean, you think about what they've done as far as with the nation's leading rusher and also, um, you know, in, in protecting Tommy DeVito and whoever's at, whoever is at quarterback. I just think we haven't had an offensive line protect a quarterback like this in a very, very long time. And, and DeVito even got hurt on one where he ran the ball and scrambled himself, right? So uh, did they struggle a little bit against Indiana, especially at critical times? Yes, but I think Chase Brown had almost 200, over 200 yards. He had like 190 in that game, right? Um, so they're moving. They're moving. I think the most impressive thing that Bart Miller's done for me is just I'm surprised how much Adams and Chrysler have been able to contribute right away and at a very high level. Like I, I thought they would contribute. I didn't know they'd be this good this early. Let's also not forget – Julian Pearl had a freak accident right before the Indiana game, right? I, and, and the Indiana game could have been different if, if Julian Pearl's in, in the right position, uh, you know, and Isaiah Adams didn't have to move. I think he hit, filled in admirably. But overall, I give the offensive line an A. I don't think you train him for any offensive line in the Big Ten West. Very, very physical up front, dominating people. Up front. I haven't seen them be dominated by a defensive line yet. I know Michigan's on the schedule. I know the Big Ten championship game's on the schedule. Uh, most likely. So we shall see how they hold up against that. They've done a tremendous job playing with leverage, low pad level, and being nasty, which is great to see. All right, Jay, let's go to the defensive line. This is a group that has just dominated. Johnny Newton, Keith Randolph, both playing well enough probably to make the leap to the NFL. Now we'll see what kind of grades they get back, but um, this would probably be my highest grade on the team. What, what do you got for them? Well, I mean, I mean, other than Chase Brown, yes, they're the highest Brown, uh, high, highest, highest grade. I, listen, I, I don't know a better front. I think we're a top five front, so I'm going to give them an A+. Plus, right? I don't know what else I would ask them to do than what they haven't done. We've seen Johnny Newton been remarkable with uh, pressures out of the five technique. Keith Randolph has been remarkable as well. Calvin Avery's probably been the most pleasant surprise. But we've also seen the uh, – is it resurgence or insurgence or the surgence of Seth Coleman and, uh, and, uh, and uh, Gay Backus? I think they have played tremendous. Coleman's really, the last four weeks, been one of the best outside linebackers, defensive ends in the country. And, and Gabe himself, Gay Backus, you know, I think he was midseason All-American or something. He's like a grown man out there. And so uh, for what they do, they be able to get pressure, rush five, and really put a clock on that quarterback to get the ball out quick and bang him out throughout the first half. So that second half, he's kind of banged up. It's been tremendous, but tremendous. I've heard PJ flex. I have never seen defensive linemen use their hands and disengage better than these Illinois guys. Right. And I think that's very true. And you look at the front line, it's 305, 300, 310 as your three starting down linemen. Uh, that's impressive. You know, we used to want one of those guys. Now we got three of them. All right, let's go to the inside linebackers. Haven't made a lot of flash plays, Jay, but again, I think it's a group that's gotten maybe like the O-line better and better as the season's gone along. I, I think Barnes has been really solid. Dark Angelo uh, has certainly kind of lived up to some hype uh, in the preseason. Uh, C.J. Hart, though, not, not as big of an impact as, you know, if you extrapolated the, the one Nebraska game. 
Right. Uh, but, but what have you thought as an inside linebacker? What do you think of inside linebacker play? Well, first of all, Tariq Barnes has made a lot of plays throughout his career. I mean, I, I was so impressed with Tariq as a freshman. And then when Jake, Jake Hansen got hurt in that Wisconsin game in 2020, Tariq Barnes played really well. And I kind of knew this guy was a good football player. I think he's put on some really good size. He looks like a big linebacker, you know? And uh, I think Tariq Barnes can be on an NFL roster next year. I really do. I think he's that skilled. Uh, I think his best game was Iowa because he actually had a chance to make plays. A lot of times defensive line gobbles up every play. You know, in junior football, you know, in Pop Warner, you like to be on the defensive line, not linebacker, because you just destroy people because the ball never gets to you, right? But uh, that's kind of what it's been like with our defensive line, the linebacker. I think uh, Isaac D'Arcangelo has not only been a pleasant surprise, but I think they ask him to do a lot. Special teams, blitzing, coverage. Uh, they asked him to do a lot. And, you know, CJ Hart, I certainly haven't seen him make huge mental errors, just hasn't had the production that maybe we thought we'd have after that one Nebraska game, which is a very small sample size from last year. But overall, I think they've been solid. And what I love is on all these positions, I, you know, we don't talk a lot about maybe about, you know, Bryce Barnes, the D lineman or, or, or Rosiak, the, the backup linebacker. But I've seen these guys get, get reps, right? And that's how you build a program. They've gotten live reps. And so, uh, I think we're starting to build depth too. So we're not going to have huge drop-offs at the end of the year. And so overall, I like what the linebackers have done. I don't, I think they, they don't, haven't asked them to do a ton as far as beyond the comfort zone, but I think it really fits what they're doing well defensively. All right, Jay, let's move to the Illinois secondary. This is a group that uh, is playing at a really high level, very similar to the defensive line. Uh, you know, Devin Witherspoon, Quan Martin, potentially all America candidates. Uh, Kendall Smith has really stepped up in that free safety spot. Feels like you can plug a lot of people in there and, and they do pretty well. Uh, but Taz Nicholson and Kendall Smith both stepping up. And then Sidney Brown, I, I don't know if we talk enough about uh, how important he is to the defense, but uh, how high a grade are you going for the secondary? Wow. I mean, this is probably one of the better secondaries we've ever seen in Illinois, probably the best we've seen overall. You know, I'm, I'm going to give, I'm going to give uh, Illinois secondary an A. Um, the only breakdown to keep from A plus has really been the, the Indiana game, right? And they've had a couple of big plays they've given up, which is that's going to happen when they play the coverages that they play very aggressive man to man. I'm, I'm with you on Sydney. Listen, I think Sydney Brown does more uh, for this defense from a leadership perspective and a schematic perspective than anybody on this defense. His ability to play close to the line, play man to man on the tight end, to help and run support, to be aggressive and 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 ball hawk. Like I, I really think. He's kind of the X factor. I think if you asked a coach, um, you know, if you had to take one of these DBs, who would you take? I think they would probably say Sidney Brown because he does a lot. That's not to say that Devin Witherspoon and Quan Martin have not been exceptional at what they do. Um, and Quan does a lot of different things, you know, can kind of play safety, play nickel. He could play corner if you want him to. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but people aren't really challenging Devin Witherspoon nearly as much. Right. I mean, he's just not getting a ton of balls near him he's just all over and when he does he's either blowing people up or making tremendous uh you know pass breakups so weatherspoon has been been fantastic kwan's been really good taz nicholson he shows up i mean he shows up he's probably the least decorated one but he shows up uh we saw matt bailey uh get some get some um love as a trail jennings as well yep. come in and and fill in for nicholson so from the top to bottom, I think they've been very, very solid. And I think that's hats off to Coach Henry, Aaron Henry, and Coach Walters, who, although I believe Coach Walters is a great defensive coordinator, I, I, I don't know if people give enough props for being a good technician as far as teaching the positions. And I think they've done a tremendous job of that. Yeah. 
IJ special teams. I think we expect them to take a step back, uh, given that Blake Hayes, James of court moved on. And that certainly uh, has been the case. Um, Special teams had some, some big mistakes, but we've also had Fabrizio Pintone step up. I think Hugh Robertson's getting more consistent here lately. Uh, So how would you grade special teams? Yeah, early on, I would say it was, it was in the D category. We really struggled from a specialist perspective and Brett kind of knew that going in, you lost two or three really good specialists. Caleb Griffin's uh, uh, struggled. But I will say um, Fabrizio Pinton's been a, a – is it Pintone or is it Pinton? It's, it's Pinton. I, I struggle and I want to say Pintone, but it's, it's – uh, you know, So, um, you know, I, I think he's really elevated the grade of it. I actually think that we actually tackle, for the most part, really well on special teams. Like when you look at the punt team, you look at the kickoff team, other than the return by Minnesota, we tackle well on there. And so – uh, I think the overall mechanics, you know, Coach Snyder's done in filling in for Ben Miller has been really good as far as, you know, the coverage teams. Uh, and, and Pintone's brought it up. I'm going to say C minus. I'm assuming I'm going to say C plus because I think Pintone's been the difference in the last couple of games. I just don't think we're doing great as far as our punt game. And obviously the kickoff return almost uh, let Minnesota back in that game a little bit. Right. RJ, I want to save this one for last. Coaching. How would you oh, rate wow. coaching? Well, well, there's head coach, there's offensive coach, there's all that stuff. So overall, I'm going to give, I'm going to give Illinois, a, a, you know, an A for coaching. I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could. No do, disagreement here. I don't know if I could, I could, I could, if there's anything else I could say. Um, you know, I think coach, coach Walters, I don't know if there's a hotter defensive coach in the country right now than, than Ryan Walters. Um Usually that's Alabama's D corner. After giving up 52 to Tennessee, I don't think he's the hottest guy right now. Uh, I think Barry Lunny has, has improved. I think Barry Lunny has taken a little while to get into the groove um, for the first two or three games. And I think uh, he would tell you he's probably a, a much better coordinator for this team uh, in game six and seven than he was in game one or two. And I, th- I think that's to be expected. And, um, you know, Brett Bielema, you know, I didn't know this. I heard Ryan Walter say that Brett Bielema is known for game management around the college football world. I, maybe he is. He's definitely managed the games well. I've, I felt like we've been on the short end of the stick of game management for a long time from the, from the head coaching position. I don't feel like that anymore. And um, uh, whether it's just what I hear in Brett's press conferences, but it doesn't seem to me that many things surprise Brett when they happen. And he's usually got a contingency plan and some kind of plan for it. And part of, part of coaching is, is recruiting, which it seems like we're gaining some momentum and at least battling with the right people. You know, when we're battling with team, when we're battling with Michigan or Michigan State for recruits or battling with Wisconsin for recruits, we're battling with the right guys. That's not to say that we can't take a, a guy that, like Nate Hobbs, who, you know, back in the day had like no offers or maybe a, you know, an Eastern Kentucky offer and, and develops into a great player. I, I, we're always going to be a developmental school, but I think we have to have our fair share of guys we're battling for that our peers are battling for. And I think we're in that conversation a lot more now. Before I let you go, I want to ask you about your keys to this Nebraska game because it's an interesting team in the West, right? Like it's a sure. it's a high profile or it's a high octane passing offense. I mean, sure. Casey Thompson's got talent. Trey Palmer's as good of a wide receiver as Illinois might see sure. all year. Um, but obviously, Illinois I think has the advantage in the trenches, and, and Nebraska's defense sure. isn't that good. So, what are your keys to, to Illinois taking care of business? Because that's a big game in the Big Ten. Yeah, 
Well, I mean, one, one thing I, I think gets lost in what, what we did against Minnesota was the turnovers. We had three turnovers, two of them I know were late, and that allowed us to really control the time of possession, right? So I think first and foremost, for a lesser team to win, oftentimes they have to win the turnover battle, okay? So taking care of the football. Uh, number, number two is to continue to excel on third down on, and fourth down from both sides of the ball. I mean, it's been remarkable the last two weeks, the fourth down success of Barry Lenny's offense, but, you know, the third and fourth down success of the offense to keep the offense on the field and also the defense's ability to get off the field. So that the money down. And then number three, as we get deeper into this is just red zone efficiency. We've talked about that a ton, right? Um, I think this offense, I don't think we've yet to see this offense really explode and click. I actually believe this offense has an ability to put 40 up on somebody. I really do. Uh, they have the yardage that would say they should get 40 points. They have not had the points saying they should have 40 points. You look at the Virginia game. You look at the Minnesota game. Virginia was turnovers. Minnesota, it was red zone, right? Um, so they have the ability to do that. And one of these games, it's going to happen. Now, we just hope that's timed up with a great opponent and we get some big upset, right? But, um, you know, if they can continue to do what they're doing, they'll be fine. Jay, uh, I thought you were a fair grader. I didn't think you ballooned anything there. I thought uh, you, you were on point there. So your we, red we pen try is to, working we, well. We try to be fair, right? I mean, we're Illinois fans. And at the end of the day, these guys are student athletes, right? So we never try to rag on a guy or whatnot. They're used to getting grades. And so, uh, you know, I, I think all of those guys would tell you, hey, listen, with these grades, I could be better. And they can be better. And so that's really the key. Jay, let me do the goods, man. Thanks. Hey, thanks a lot. Take care. Great stuff as always from Jay Lehman and appreciate him just volunteering to, to hop back on the podcast. Didn't want to take an off week because who does right now with Illinois football playing so well? Uh, so we'll continue to cover the heck out of this team. There's been a lot of fun and a huge matchup coming up against Nebraska. We'll have our preview. We'll get one of the guys uh, that covers Nebraska on the podcast. Joey Wagner and I will break this down and we will have a basketball preview pod. I'm going to get a little tulip on here very shortly uh Derek Piper as well uh and we'll look ahead to the Illinois basketball season sans Luke Goody at least for a few months most likely but uh we will get ready for a new look team that's going to look even more new look with Luke Goody sideline for a little bit check out everything latest on Illinois football Illinois basketball at IlliniInquire.com give us a follow wherever you get your podcast uh subscribe to us give us a rating and review at Apple we appreciate when you guys do that also, if you're not a VIP member to Illini Inquirer, now is a good time. $1 for your first month. That'll take you through the start of the basketball season, through most of the early signing period. And it's a very good value. What is becoming the most busy month of the year, long has been. Uh, November uh, is a big month uh, for Illini Inquirer. Very busy, very, very busy, but a lot of fun as well. So check us out at IlliniInquirer.com. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. And we will talk to you next time right here on the Online Inquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.